You're listening to an ACA podcast. Hi, my name's Lisa Walp and I'm one of the co-curators of the exhibition Ioani Scarce, Missile Park. This conversation is part of a series associated with the exhibition, which is on at the Australian Centre for Contemporary Art in Melbourne from the 27th of March until the 14th of June. And then it travels to the Institute of Modern Art in Brisbane from the 17th of July until the 18th of September. The four conversations in this series take a focused look at key ideas and forms in Ioani Scarces, glass, family, architecture and memorials. Reflecting on her masterful use of glass, we hear Ioani in conversation with glass artist Crystal Britcher and Lisa Slade, the Assistant Director at the Art Gallery of South Australia. We also hear from Ioani's long-term collaborators including artist Lisa Radford, who will touch on their ongoing memorialisation project known as Concrete Archives. Architect and writer Lewis Anderson Mokak will be chatting to fellow architects, Edition Office and Mikhail Roderick, who have both worked with Ioani to achieve incredible large-scale projects, including the new commission Missile Park, which gives this exhibition its title. You will hear from me, Lisa Walp, in conversation with National Gallery of Victoria's curator, Hannah Presley, as we speak about the role of family and archives in Ioani's practice. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners are warned that names of people who have passed may be mentioned in these conversations. To hear more from ACCA, please subscribe to the ACCA podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and sign up to ACCA's newsletter at acca.melbourne. My name's Ioani Scarce, and I'm a Gugutha Nukuni woman from South Australia, and I currently live in Melbourne, and I teach um, in the painting department at the Victorian College of the Arts. And I'm Lisa Redford, and I'm an artist who sometimes writes, and puts together projects and I work at the Victorian College of the Arts with Ioani. Um, yeah. Is that introduction enough? Yep. <laughs> it's interesting. What are we going to talk about today, Ioani? Uh, I think, yeah, concrete archives, I guess. That's what we're, we've been asked to talk about. So I guess, um, um, and we, yeah, I think a good place to start maybe is where where we met, which was at Victoria, at the painting department. Mm. So I think, it, yeah, so I, I, I guess, um, yeah, so for people who are not aware of uh, our Lisa and our my uh, working relationship and friendship began, you know, uh, at the Victorian College of the Arts where I actually, yeah, started teaching briefly when Lisa was acting head of painting. Working for Kate and then Kate Dorr and then I guess we worked together the next year and I remember sitting in the staff office asking you about your work. Mm. Yeah, so I think that was when we had we you know we've all got laptops now, so you know that was when we had the big Mac screens. So we're talking about um, 
nuclear colonization in general. But I think we sort of didn't. It sort of we didn't get onto that straight away. I think we were talking about something else, and then I said, "Have you been to Maralinga?" And then um, you started looking at it on that computer with Google Earth. It wasn't just Google Maps; it was Google Earth. I think, yeah. <clears throat> so. And I think, yeah, that was a bit, I guess that was a good time too because it was, we had a bit of time in between shoots as well and you didn't, you were sort of, had, didn't have meetings that afternoon for some reason. Yeah, for some reason so, I wasn't hectically running, running somewhere else. I could sit and speak to you for a little bit. Yeah, so it was good. Um, and then I guess I wouldn't say the rest is history, but it's kind of, I think that was the beginning of that conversation. Yeah. I mean, I distinctly remember being at home during the mid-year break and getting a phone call from you and you saying, I've just left, I think you just left This Is No Fantasy in Gertrude Street, so you're really close to my house, which is interesting. And you're like, "Mm." so I've been thinking about this stuff and I've never had a book. And I was wondering if you'd like to travel with me and see these places because I don't want to do it alone again, I think. is that Would that be right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I think, yeah, even before, maybe before that conversation, we'll, I'd, the year before, maybe in that November, I'd visited Auschwitz and Birkenhau. And I remember thinking because I I caught I caught a cough on the plane over because I'd been in Paris beforehand because um, it was the end of semester I think it was sort of like I was sessional then so I didn't have the commitments or sort of um, for assessment and things so I sort of was off on that sort of research trip because I was heading to Berlin for an NGA collection show. So I thought I'd sort of tap, sort of tap in some research on the way, <clears throat> and then ended up with this weird cough, um, and then being at Auschwitz, which was not even their winter then, I think. And I yeah, when was it? Was it like November, just before winter? Yeah, it was sort of autumn. Yeah, and I felt I really felt the cold. And um, and I'd been coughing, I wouldn't say uncontrollably, but it was enough where I felt very sensitive, I think, and um, kind of, yeah, by myself visiting death camps, um, which I'd done before by myself anyway, but I think Auschwitz and Birkenhau were really, like, Effective. full on. Yeah. Mm. I think when we eventually got there which wasn't at the beginning of when we left but when we when we got to Auschwitz I understood why you wouldn't necessarily want to go there again Mm. on your own Mm. Mm. yeah particular particular like space and weight to history that was very piercing through the body Mm. or something Mm, mm. Yeah, because I think I had a uh, also remember when I um we were at Auschwitz actually, and um there's that shooting area 
in that building and I said I can't, I went in there and I can't go back in but you weren't by yourself yeah um so I waited for you outside and it was I felt like there was a like, strong sense of evil in that building and I felt like the the tourists as I would call them were being really weird when I was there so they were like it was I felt really disrespectful like it was really disrespectful and they were calling out to whatever they felt because we all felt it <clears throat> so it was like I it made me sick actually so I didn't want to re-enter that building um, I mean it was so interesting like that. I remember the high school group from Italy that were going and I thought wow mm. like what an amazing way to learn about history like that felt kind of like also it was an interesting um, to observe who was there and how they reacted or treated. Mm. Yeah. Because I think also um, a friend of mine, um, Yulia, who's an artist who I met in Sydney actually um, and uh, she grew up in Berlin. She's not German. But um, she said that she went to school with that um, with those school trips that were happening. So that she said it was part of their curriculum. And it was interesting because it's not part of the curriculum here, really. That, to my knowledge, that students go do site visits of massacres and death camps, and um, like not part of the curriculum here. Or yeah, in Australia, I think. Like, Australia. Yeah, like I think it's been amazing though. Like with the with the missile park at Acre, it's I've been meeting school groups that come through. Um, but in terms of, I think, yeah, they go to the Shrine of Remembrance and a few other places, but not there's. Maybe that's a good point to move up. Like, like you know, like upon the invitation where you ask me to come with you, like there's kind of a complex conversation about like, well, we, that we don't know the answer to, like memorials, like history, Australia, um, genocide, language, who has the right to say where things are. I mean, I guess what, I mean, uh, we didn't really know where we were going, but I guess what was your instinct or impetus to like, in, like in reference to those things, I guess? I think I was always sort of, com you know, comparing notes between countries. And I think for me i think i was getting i was getting more and more frustrated that there was still particularly with our current government as well there's still no proper acknowledgement of frontier wars genocide and our you know the history of nuclear colonization and yet yeah coming across these um, Spominix or these memorials or monuments that you know through my friend Mikhail Roderick who who's an architect I work with quite a lot you know long-term friend of mine as well that um, interestingly enough I didn't know about those Spominix until he showed me and they were all over social media so and they've been there since World War II majority of them so so I think and it's the same sort of with Berlin. That's why I love Berlin so much. 
is their way of acknowledging um, the past in order to move forward to the future, I think, or move together. Yeah. Move together. Um, interesting. Yeah, so I think, yeah, having that, I think having that conversation um, through art and through travel and through research and through field work, I think it's really a good way to do that. Um, should we recount on this recording where we've gone or um yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well I guess I mean it's funny that you mentioned the spominics like straight away from Mikhail I guess I hadn't really taken that much notice until you pointed them out to me and like even thinking about concrete archives these like monuments to a past event that hold um, in their physicality, the language of something, however clear it is. Um, but so then you, so Mikhail tells you, you tell me, we start looking at these things and try to make connections between, we knew that there was going to be an exhibition in New York um, at the Museum of Modern Art that we wanted to see that had the documentation of the architectural drawings and then we knew we wanted to visit site, the sites in former Yugoslavia. We knew we wanted to perhaps go to Tbilisi in Georgia to look at Soviet brutalism. That wasn't specifically a monument or a sculpture, but point like pointed to a past. And which when we got there, we found out we, we kind of were like, we realised that there was a debate about whether these things should be kept or demolished, like a conversation that we hadn't, I guess, I don't know whether we were that conscious of prior. And we went, we looked at Armenia, which, I mean, is interesting because only just the other day Biden recognised that there was a genocide. He didn't say who undertook the genocide but recognised the genocide that occurred. Um and so we went to the memorial there. There are many in Genocide Memorial in Yerevan. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one we noticed too that there, there were a lot of trees planted in that park as you entered the memorial site and there was nothing from Australia. Yeah, because those trees were all from other nation states that recognised the genocide. I can't remember what the most recent ones were when we were there. I mean, we were were there in 2019. Mm. Is that right? Early 2019 too. I think it would have been. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We, it was when yeah January. Yeah, it was in January because we left like the day after Boxing Day <laughs> in 2018, mm. um, and flew to New York. Yeah. Yeah, those trees. But I'm just trying to remember. So it felt like it was poignant that the last two nation states that recognised the genocide, but that Australia's presence was very absent or something. And then there was an audio playing as well, like a music. Woman singing, yeah. Musical kind of mm. part to the memorial. Yeah. That's probably one of the most powerful memorials I've been to, actually. I think when I think about it, I think because it's sort of that there's people that are coming together 
like from all over the world that acknowledge that massacre. And it's um then that the again like there's that photographic evidence downstairs in the museum. And then the the memorial itself is at the end, but the trees are memorials as well. So it's all like um acknowledgements of that. So yeah, that's it's making me realise that there's kind of three parts to it. The trees, which are like a public or like the world. And then there was like, then there's the sci-fi form that's above ground that has the eternal space for the eternal flame for the day of, the day that acknowledges the past or the act. And then there's the underground museum, which provides a narrative or and photographic imagery and mm, personal stories of what had occurred mm-hmm. during that time. Right? Yeah. And I think now thinking about it too, it's, it, you know, how we were talking about the 9-11 memorial to a group of people recently. It was at In Adelaide and it was describing that it's very different. That 9-11 memorial is very different to the Yerevan one. Like it, yes. it's so different. Yeah. Um, the 9-11 memorial, instead of having something coming out of the ground, although it does have that element to it, but that has a shopping centre inside it, is the two big, like, waterfall pits that were where the Twin Towers stood and then the museum beneath is has, like, remnants of the buildings and and so many images of the event like so that the of the images of the planes hitting the twin towers like over and over again and then all of this other image documentation feels very um like overrepresented or something yeah because there's so there's only so so many times that, you know, what I find traumatic about that experience as well is like every corner you turn, you saw the planes enter the buildings, but then also there was that imagery of people jumping to their deaths as well. And it was kind of um, confronting is not a right way to describe it. It was something else, I think. Like it was um, it was a different type of... It, even though it was meant to be a museum, it was for me. It wasn't a museum. It was something else. Um, yeah, it didn't. And I wonder if it's got to do with time. I keep thinking about that space and time, like our proximity to the event in time. Mm. Does that change it? Mm. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. Mm. Um, yeah. Whereas I think you know. I think the the waterfall pits could have just been that they're so beautiful and powerful. You don't need to you that for me that's a good reminder of what happened there because it's exactly on the site. Yeah. So. Mm. Um, Which is what's interesting about the spominics is that they're abstracted forms. In, in former Yugoslavia, so what, there's like over 150 of them or something? Mm. There's a lot. Mm. Right. And we only saw 22 of them or something, is that right? 
Yeah, we only saw a quarter of them, yeah. And then found odd ones that we didn't know existed. Remember on the border of Bosnia and um, Croatia? But that they're not, they're not, um, then their desire isn't to explain a narrative, like they memorialise or they, they exist in some other form, which is interesting, even though they kind of were a nation state project, mm. you know, mm. like Tito wanted them to unite the country, you know, mm. architectural proposals to unite the, mm. the country. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting because it starts off as a project that's like a travelling project, right, with no outcome, and we go to all these places and then it becomes a online archive, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when, when we got back from the f- probably the first trip, Oh, but you and I and Matthew um, oh, yeah. already went to Woomera because that was sort of. Well, I think that's interesting to thing to recount too because you you took us to Woomera first. Yeah. Oh, was that first? Yeah. Oh, and it was before. Yeah, it was. And that was before we even, I think, we even thought about applying for funding or I think it was no, just I, sort of. I think of... we just applied and we didn't know whether we'd got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So we did that long weekend trip up there, which was amazing. And then, um, and then I think, yeah, yeah, we did actually. Yeah, we found out maybe that the next month we got the funding, maybe November. Yeah, but it felt like it felt like such an important introduction to going away like mm. um and it was with Matthew and for people that don't know Matthew is a sound Matthew Davis is a sound artist who will be in the next iteration of the exhibition that Yuani and I have been working on that speaks to this travel and research I guess mm. but you know I mean your exhibition's called Missile Park and Matthew and I have been to that Missile Park like we kind of know what that means or something yeah 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 it's got a it's got a good paint job now oh uh, yeah well it's had so, a paint job since we've been there or since yeah 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 but it's kind of interesting because <laughs> it's kind of heavy missile park is like oh this is military but then the park bit of it sounds a bit like a playground also which is this kind of interesting double and it's kind of something that we, you know, that happens when we talked about like the, you know, memorial to the to the Jews in the Holocaust Museum in Berlin, you know, where there's this, it's an amazingly solemn place, but then people turn that architecture into a playground. And that's something that we're always going backwards and forwards between about the places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's what that's, was, you know, like I guess thinking about that too, it was, like interesting. it was interesting when we got back from that first overseas research trip, I think, and people were asking us what we were doing and what, what the outcome was, but it was kind of like we knew something was going to happen, we didn't know what it was. So whether it was going to be new work for you and I or a, an exhibition or something like that and 
and it, it ended up being, yeah, the Art in Australia journal online and then the exhibition sort of came before that as well. So it was um, bringing people together to talk about this, the issues that we were addressing or thinking about while we were travelling but also, you know, maybe our new work for you and I will come out again at some point along future trips or maybe future parts of the project. So, yeah, when it, yeah, when it's ready or something. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it is very interesting yeah. being invited to someone's birthplace, which is there was like a kind of um, it's humbling and it's kind of very it feels very special because it's very much part of the narrative, but we know it's part of your work, but it's also part of the politics of what we're trying what we're I don't think we know the answer, but we're, what we're trying to explore or something. Um, and then, you know, the then then the layers of that birthplace, like Woomera being a military base, its proximity to Maralinga, to missile testing, to, um, you know, one of the world's biggest mines, um, to, uh, you know, if Woomera was a city developed to support a missile testing rocket launching place, that's none of that's correct English, then, you know, the town, is it Roxby Downs, that's there to support the dam, that's built to support the dam, or rocks, not the dam. The mine. The mine. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these layers of, like, infrastructure, people coming that aren't from there, people that are from there that kind of like the devastation of the land, whether it's through extraction or imposition of military testing weapons, like was kind mm -hmm. of an interesting introduction. Like you enter, you're not just going to visit a place, like you're in the middle of like a pretty dense history or something. Not yeah. pretty dense, like dense history. <laughs> Not pretty dense, yeah. it just is. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a shitload of beauty. Oh, I swore on Akka Radio. Anyway, um, and then a heap. <laughs> <laughs> it was going to happen, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> and then. We didn't um, say the F word. I know. Yeah. You want me to? <laughs> <laughs> but like it's also extremely beautiful like you know you I mean you've you're all, you're often talking about missing it um there's something about it that I miss also it's not there's something about the um mm. I don't know I don't know what it is that space well it's a, it's a uh for me, it's the um, the vastness, I think, of the landscape and and Woomera being very odd, an odd, an odd place, but uh, an interesting place, I think. Like it's, but also like it's, it's, it has its own history. It has its own, uh, own memories, I guess, because it's sort of, it's had very different life 
so people it's always been sort of like as as most military bases are very transient occupation I think so there's people from all over the world have come there to, to live and work and um, test things um, and like it changes all the time for me so I think every time I go back new things are uncovered you meet new people um, and then like yeah what I said before it's like the missile park has had a paint job um, but then they're tearing down the hospital hospital yeah it, yeah, so what, what parts of history we decide to keep. Yeah, 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 they'll keep the trophy park. Yeah, so, um, but they won't spend money on the um, cemetery with all the children in it. So it's kind of, you know, they're looking pretty decrepit, that cemetery. So it's interesting. So is it, yeah. So I think when I think about that too, I think of Pripyat, like during that. Yeah, when we went to Chernobyl and Pripyat's a town that was built to support a nuclear reactor. Mm. Yeah. yeah, what makes you think of Pripyat though? Like, I think just like the empty buildings and that, and then um, that they, you know, they, it was once a thriving town, and then. Um, you know, obviously, you know, people are starting to resettle, but they're doing it at their own risk, I think. Not in Pripyat, but in Chernobyl anyway. So it's kind of, um, I think, like the, those buildings are, you know, like the knowledge holders. So who knows what they saw? Well, the building saw something. I like that, you're, that you just said that. The, build, the building saw something. And that's what's, I mean... We were talking about it the other night when we were with Stan Stanislava and um, that, you know, the being conscious of visiting and what being a dark tourist is but then asking why why is it here and what does the tour guide that took us through there, what does she think of it and that she talks about it being an, like an open-air museum and that, that, that its um, ex existence is important. So in some senses you go, is that that hospital in Woomera, it, is its existence important to a narrative that needs to be told because it forms part of a bigger history or something. Um, anyway, there is something a lot that's very similar because they're very of very similar time periods too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's weird. That's so weird. And they they've got that they they have those graphics like I remember at Woomera the um logo for the hotel is the the um sign for the hotel is like feels like it's from the 1950s sci-fi future. There's something about it that's like past and future at the same time. And similarly in Pripyat there's that optimism of a science science future that will save us from something but that now we're looking at in ruins so it's this dystopic past present future like stuck in I don't know what it is yeah 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 I think too also with that I don't um I've only ever seen seen them um once but when Maralinga was the nuclear tests were happening there 
not emu field before, but these, I think, because Maralinga, the village was set up to last for 30 years, but then there were all these cars, military cars, I think, or even civilian cars, were had badges with the atomic bomb on it. Oh, on yeah, that's right. Wow. So it's sort of like, and then someone was showing me recently in, in Adelaide that um, Woomera had all these like memorabilia in terms of spoons and stuff. So it's this thing that's meant to be, yeah, celebrated and you have these tokens of, I don't know, it's weird. It's kind of. Of man's scientific achievements or something. Yeah. Yeah, and yet they're all disastrous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much a disaster. Sorry for that. Mm. I mean, yeah. But I guess it's, I mean, it's funny because we, we've experienced all these places and we've talked about, like, we, I mean, this is like, it feels like an ongoing conversation. It's already 32 minutes and we probably could keep talking for hours. It's really Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I guess, too, I think, you know, like, We've, we began that conversation three years ago, so it's already been three years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's kind of like I think we're getting we're giving people the short version, <laughs> um, the condensed version. So it's kind of um, I think, yeah, you know that. For me, it's interesting that like. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm in a room in Acker, and your exhibition's outside, in the gallery, mm-hmm. and I um, feel very privileged to have a material experience that locates those tin, the corrugated mm-hmm. iron sheds that you and mm-hmm. Michael have constructed in the gallery, and mm-hmm. I kind of material relationship to the glass that's inside those sheds, the glass, um, they're not plums. Yeah, they're plums. Oh, they are plums. Yeah. The glass plums um, and thinking about that in relationship to all the places that we've been, mm-hmm. including Maralinga, including Woomera, but including Pripyat or yep. Fukushima and the fish factory that we saw, um, which is where I really felt very moved and, like, mm. kind of upset that the scale of a tsunami, how big it is and what it, mm. like the force of something felt very present. Yeah. Um, and, like, when yep. we went to the Pripyat, the museum that documents Chernobyl and seeing all the street signs, that like, that, that felt very material and... Um, present and there's something in but you know how we like we always talked about Pripyat as Mm. like it was less sad there was something redeeming there that Mm. humans had been the first respondents or and knew the utmost devastation that was occurring but went to ensure that not it wasn't greater than what it was or something yeah Um, that like so the the sculpt the I don't even know what to call it. I don't even feel like a sculpture, but your installation with sculptural elements, I guess. But like out, outside, feels like those plums are both uh, memorial to 
like an unnamed person, but also they um, they reflect light. They they refract the light around it. They're like still living. Like glass feels like it's yeah. always still moving or something. Yeah. And so it yeah. has that same kind of like where are we moving to? Not yeah. Not not or something. Does that make sense? Is yeah. that rude? Yeah. 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 Like a living museum as opposed to um, excessively imaged one. Like, mm. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah, 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 definitely. With Stanislava, she said she asked us if we would if we would visit those places if we couldn't take photos. Um, because of the tourism industry with these with these places, it's sort of particularly at Chernobyl, like Kiev, and and it's kind of like in what we were witnessing actually in terms of selfies and you know people playing in the snow at bloody Birkenau as well in Auschwitz, like it was weird. So it was kind of like, and then our two our tour guide at um, Chernobyl asked us if we wanted a photo in front of the memorial in the sarcophagus and we declined so it was kind of um, but then I wouldn't even say it wasn't you know and then also subconsciously while we were traveling at Pine Ridge Reservation in South Dakota already deciding um, without talking about it with each other until afterwards that we weren't going to take photos of the cemetery at Wounded Knee. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting because, like, the other subtitle, of, of the title of what where our project is, The Image Is Not Nothing, which comes from that text, the George Diddy Huberman Images in Spite of All text, which is about four images found that document what happened at Auschwitz, I think. Um and so the idea of what's imaged is actually what can and can't be imaged or what the image does and how it either facilitates, suppresses, exacerbates, reduces, um, has become kind of an interesting, well, for me, it's an interesting question, especially alongside the idea of concrete archives, which is we're referring, like, you know, that lots of the museums were like basement bunkers that are con they're concrete or the Spomeniks that are in former Yugoslavia, or, and then the idea even of what is concrete, like is this real evidence, um, who has made the archive, which I guess, you know, that's what our conversation with the Unbound Collective who are in the um, Concrete Archives exhibition, you know, had Nat, Nat Harkin constantly talks about, not constantly, but, you know, talks about the idea of shuffling, reowning, contributing to an altering of the archive is an ongoing changing thing rather than one that's just like dominated by either mm. the nation state, the museum, the gallery, like whoever it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. interesting, I think, now those overlays of. Yeah. Yeah. What constitutes representation and what is the best representation? Maybe best isn't the question. What's an adequate? But what's right? Yeah, what's right for the story? I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember Marie and Kirsten talking about it on um, when I was talking to them they're, they're about their work, the Rainbow's Gravity, that's in the exhibition, and like me, like you know how we both like 
talk about Berlin and Germany as being this place that has some kind of, and they they were adamant that it was an it's definitely an unfinished project that this is this there's a history that's still yet to be excavated, and there is the risk that it can fall back into glorification of the nation state, um, in some ways, and then you know. How do we? What is this memory project that we we keep alive, and how do we keep it alive? Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Well, that yeah, well, that's in, yeah, that's interesting because it's we've always talked about this project as being an archive or building on that archive. So it could be it's many things. It's sort of like booklets, it's a catalogue that accompanies the exhibition, it's the artist's work, it's the conversations, it's the people we've met so far, the people that we're going to continue to meet in the future. And even like the opening when it opens at the Living Museum of the West, it's, it's you know, there's going to be that beautiful combination of the opening and community presence as well, like Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal, you know, like it's, it's going to be, for me, it's going to, I'm really excited about that because it's sort of, yeah. Um, and, and I think that's what's interesting too is that it also encompasses things that happen in a moment that aren't documented or aren't about it being represented, that it's then spoken or shared in a different, like the material presence or the in absence that you missed it, but in that absence that mm-hmm. records something also. What, you know, mm. excited about all that. I mean, it really does feel like we have got thousands of people to thank sometimes. Yeah, yeah. There's so many. I think we won't be able to list all of them, but it's kind of, you know, I think maybe it's I just want to thank everyone we've met along the way so far. There's so many. Um, But also... Um, everyone we've worked with on the project, the artists that are included in the exhibition um, so far. and um, But particularly I think um, the First Nations people we've met, particularly in America, in South Dakota. Yeah, so it's, um, you know, the people that drove us places in Armenia and Georgia and um in Fukushima I think people who shared their stories and not without really knowing who we were and who where we where we came from yeah and that and that guy that jumped in the car in Bosnia at the memorial <laughs> with us that weird situation, but also it, it was interesting to talk to him. So that was like, yeah, yeah. Mm. Anyway, but it's it's good to reflect on that because I think we, well, yeah, just on the project in general, I think this conversation has been very different to some that we've had publicly. Should I um should mm. I name all the artists in the exhibition? Can I do that? Yeah, I've got the list in front of me. Great. So it's Marique Bernard yeah, yeah, yeah. and Kirsten Schrodinger, Kunanara Buga, Phil Collins, Megan Cope, Trent Crawford, Pan Dimmitt, Nikki Hastings-McFall, Corpsey Loeffler, Rosemary Lang, Hayley Miller-Baker, 
Sonia Pahoki, Warren Paul Ebay, Ashley Perry, Nina Sanadze, Yelena Talecki, The Unbound Collective, Judy Watson, and Matthew Davis. And also, like mm -hmm. to Patrice Sharkey, maybe we should thank, who was the director of the it was first. Oh, trained. yeah, definitely. Yeah. 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 But there's, yeah. there's good documentation of the exhibition on the ACE Open website and on the Art in Australia, the Image is Not Nothing Concrete Archives archive, um, where all the, you know, funding bodies, mm. et cetera, are thanked officially. <laughs> <laughs> is that who we're supposed to thank? Yeah. I think that's I think that's a good way to finish, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>